Hi everyone, just a warning before you dive into this episode, the book they speak about today does have issues of domestic violence and incest, so please take care when listening. Welcome to Burgers, Beers and Books. My name is Ben Hobson and this is the podcast where I interview your favourite authors about their favourite books. Now today, I've got a pretty special guest and I have to say this guy is one of your favourite authors. You just haven't really read anything by him yet. His name's Grant Ison, Grant D. Ison, and he joined me at an actual restaurant and I was so excited to do this because as I say at the start of the podcast in the interview with him this has been what I pictured when I decided I wanted to do a podcast like this which is actually sitting down and having meals with people and having a conversation about books which is one of my favorite things to do and I just wanted to capture that on podcasts um so we sat down at an actual Brisbane restaurant and now this is my way of saying to you all just be warned the audio I think the audio sounds really good, but there is background noise. You know, people, cars drive by. You can hear people chatting in the background. Don't be alarmed. There's not someone at your front door. That's just the actual background noise of the actual restaurant we were at. So just be aware of that as we go in. But I think the audio was actually quite good. You can hear us clearly throughout the whole thing. Grant, to talk about Grant, um, you all know Grant. He was on the podcast with Holden Shepard a few weeks ago on Words and Nerds, which everyone's loved so much. And I love Grant. I've known Grant for a little while now. And he is one of the most vulnerable people I've met. He's, he's actually so open about his process and about who he is as a person. He just sort of lays it all out there. And I really appreciate that in my chat with him and about this excellent book. Just so you guys know too, the book we talk about, it does have some pretty mature themes, so just be aware of that before listening to our chat today. But yeah, really pleased to present this to you. Um, can I also shout out really quickly, the restaurant I went to, uh, Z Pickle in Brisbane, amazing burgers. And the beers we had were from Your Mates Brewing Company. They're a brewery from the Sunshine Coast. And the beers were great. The burgers were great. The atmosphere is great. I had an awesome time with Grant. And yeah, hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, well, welcome to Burgers, Beers and Books. My name is Ben Hobson, and I am here with the effervescent... <laughs> no? You don't no. like effervescent? Well, yeah, bubbly. Bub- bubbly. Bubbly. The bubbly Grant Ison. Um, this is a first... This is actually, Grant, if you don't mind me saying, this is what I actually pictured this podcast would be, which is actually going out and having burgers. And so you guys on the podcast can probably hear the background noise. We're actually at a restaurant in Brisbane called Z Pickle uh, in Camp Hill. Um, and so we're actually out and about and we're going to enjoy a burger. It will be delivered during the podcast. Yes. And uh, I'll, I'll just go on record and say the only reason that I ordered the burger I did is because it's called your mum. And I just wanted to you know, be able to say your mum. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, what did I get? I actually, no, no, that's... No, you got to... You, you got to be yourself, man. You got to order your mum. And so you can <laughs> say it on... So order your mum, yeah. I just, yep, fell yeah. right into it. Yeah. I ordered some smoked brisket pecan smoked with maple and maple mac and cheese. And I ordered 
I've been wanting to come to this place for since my birthday, but during my birthday we're on lockdown, so we actually had to not come out, and I just have never had the opportunity. So I'm super stoked. I ordered a huge thing of fries. I'm going to be eating the rest of the podcast, I think. And and uh, correct me, I think this is like the third time you've actually had beers and burgers. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty bad. I'm pretty bad. My track record's not good. When you got young kids trying to organise to have... You know what I mean. Whenever I'm trying to record in that little place, I don't have the space. I should get better, though. Bram was probably the best. He actually ordered a burger, and then it was about 8.30, and he just waited to eat it. Holy moly. Thank you, oh, mate. Oh, look at that. That's the uh, the, yeah. the loaded Z-chips, isn't it? The Z-chips, yeah. I've got spring onion, bacon... Ooh. I'm super. I'm super happy. Um, so we, Grant and I, are kind of, yeah, bubbly, and effervescent because um, we just came from Avid Reader, which is our local mm-hmm. bookstore, and it was a really lovely night of celebrating local authors whose books had been cancelled. Well, not cancelled, sorry, but like things had been postponed and things during lockdown. So all, all the launches and all that stuff. We sort of caught up on all that, but it was great to see old friends and actually catch up yep, with people yep. um, and be a part of that. But, and this is what I wanted to start this podcast out with, we are going to talk about the book you've chosen, because it's an awesome book, but I would really like to just start talking about you, if you don't mind. I, I don't mind at all. Because <laughs> Grant is in this really interesting spot with his writing journey, and he's been on the journey for a long time, and I'd really like to unpack where you're at. You guys can probably hear the car in the background. I'm hoping this is going really well. (laughs) The audio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because we don't know. Anyway, um, but Grant's been on this writing journey for a while and I'd love to actually hear about where you're at because I've had the privilege of reading one of your books. Yes. And I thought it was a fantastic book and I know that there have been other authors who have also read this book. And so... Just letting the motorcycle pass. (laughs) And so, where are we at with... When can... Like, people listening to this podcast will want to read your books. Yeah. And so, where are we at in the journey of actually getting Grant Ison on the front of a cover or on the front of a... When are we going to do the Grant Ison book launch at Avid Reader, mate? When's this going to happen? Well... Uh, as you know, you, you read my uh, prison memoir. Uh, yes. We watched The Kangaroos. Um, and it's been a bit of a... Uh, not a bugbear, but... Um, it's, a, it's a very personal journey. And it was something that I've had to deal with uh, since getting out of prison six and a half years ago. Um, and we'll just wait for the plane to go over. Before I, before, I, before I finish that, that one. This is going so well. I'm so glad. It is. I'm it so is. glad we did this. Oh, look at that. Just, just right under Perfect the flight path. Timing. Just, just look, Books, Beers and Burgers podcast is rough as guts, but it's honest and it's real, much like Grant's book. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, thanks, Ben. No worries. Um, look, look, to be honest, um, I'm putting it aside for now. Um, really? Yep. Yep, I had a catch-up with some Brisbane writers uh, last week, a uh, week before, and we were talking about it, yeah. and 
I also spoke about my, well, it was going to be young adult, but now it's going to be general fiction, uh, something along the lines of Boy Swallows Universe. Oh, um, that's a, a big, big pitch at the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that's a big call. Um, I'm no Trent Dalton, that's for sure. Um, although Mirandi said to me uh, uh, tonight that... Um, uh, no, uh, sorry, uh, 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 Laura, uh, Laura, uh, Laura said to me, um, she said, I could actually see your uh, YA piece that you're working on uh, yeah. could be a, a stage play. And I was like, oh, okay, wow, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, but see, when you say that, when you say I'm no Trent Dalton, like, Trent Dalton doesn't think he's Trent Dalton. Yeah, if, well, yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe he does. He yeah. is a blessed man, Trent Dalton. But, but you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't... He would he would have the same questions, especially when he was starting out. He would have the same sort of questions and doubts about yeah. what he's doing. Um, so it's a very normal thing, absolutely, to to be feeling. Um, but sort of you're going down a different book. You're writing a different book, and you're setting that one aside. Is it not ever going to see the light of day, or just seeing what happens eventually? Um. Well, the consensus was in the Brisbane Writers Catch Up that I had. Um, and my friend Nicole said to me that she feels that if you your first book is a memoir, yeah. you'll always be seen as a memoirist, um, and it'll be difficult to really. Yeah, I, and I kind of agree because um, she also said that um, people will keep on expecting you to be who you are now because you've written this thing about your past so people will kind of always be keeping an eye on you like in the public sphere I, I, I kind of what do you mean by that like keeping an eye on you as in well, because it's a prison memoir yeah, they're going to think a, you're going to do something dodgy publicly yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've had seems that seems judgmental it's, it's a yeah like uh, people will be judgmental uh, towards me and, and, and I've kind of after a couple of years dealing with PTSD and seeing my psychiatrist the last two years, I've sort of come to terms with letting that go, like I have done with a lot of things from my past. And um, probably very healthy. It is. Um, particularly, and you are aware of my um, ADHD diagnosis and my journey this year so far with uh, dexamphetamine and yes. my whole brain changing and all that sort of thing and my project, yeah, project can, beefcake and I can actually say man like even just briefly knowing you last year and you know because um, we sort of started really talking even uh, even the year before right yeah, but I have pr- seen a big difference um, just in how just in how you carry yourself even um, after the diagnosis and the medication right. and things like that yeah 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 well, well it was um we physically met at the Brisbane Writers Festival 2019. Where I forgot my book. You forgot your book. <laughs> so yeah, I... so at that festival, I was supposed to do a reading of Snake Island, and um, I forgot my book to do the reading from, and so I knew Grant was going to be in attendance. I was like, mate, can you please send bring me a book? I'd never met Grant, and a beautiful man he is. He brought me a copy, so he saved the day that day, so thank you, Grant. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. Um, I actually had the publisher's copy. Um, That's right. I, I had I got it before it hit bookshelves. That's right. Because that's that's uh, now I remember you you had chosen uh, passages to read from it, and the publisher's version was different to the actual released yeah. versions. 
so the page numbers were different for that sounds about right uh, places you you were looking to read from but um, no you, you did well from memory um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know like I won't I won't sort of bog down too much on the the notice the changes to my brain I've noticed is like for example it's now quarter past eight at night time um, I took my decks two hours later than I normally would because I knew I'd be doing this yeah um, so if it was a normal day I'd take it at 6am and it wears off sort of pretty much around about now maybe 9.30 at a stretch but, sure. but at this point of the night if it was a normal day, um, my brain would start going, i got to tell Ben a thousand one things, and I wouldn't be able to focus on your questions. The firing in all directions, I would yeah. be just going off on tangents, I'd start telling old man stories and waffling along, and a lot of it probably wouldn't make sense. But the, the main thing is you feel you feel much more solid, right? That's the thing yeah, that's really yeah. the main thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, focused. Focused, that's, yeah. That, that is the one big thing I noticed, uh, particularly uh, more so in the last oh, six months, because it's been... Uh, November will be 12 months exactly since I started taking decks. Wow, really? Yeah. Already? Wow. Yeah, already. Uh, November 5th. Um, Man. So... Um, it's um it's been a weird journey knowing that my brain hasn't been fully functional um, because the part of the brain for those of you out there listening um, that don't know much about ADHD attention deficit hyperactivity disorder uh, the part of the brain that it affects um, is the uh, singular cortex something it's the emotional control of the brain yeah uh, it's the braking system of the brain so unmedicated I'm more likely to you know yell out at somebody in the traffic and tell them to go F themselves whereas somebody who's not ADHD will just smile politely and roll up the window yeah and think the thoughts in their head and think the think the action through um, and it's been weird having this braking new braking system in my head um for nearly 12 months now and uh, more so like I said in the last six months but um, getting back to my prison memoir yes um, and this is exactly how the dexamphetamine works like I could have just kept on waffling on about ADHD but <laughs> I, re- I remembered the main point yes 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 the well main, done well the, done the main point because I'd forgotten <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten completely um, yeah so the I, I didn't I, well there's a lot of legalities surrounding my book like you know I had to change names yep um, you know I had to change descriptions of people um, because you know I I wrote a bloody prison memoir and and there was a part of me that thought oh you know what if somebody read this that I did time with and they took exception to something I I I wrote and they thought it was about them and yeah and then I thought well um you know, I could be sued for slander, or yeah, there was just a, it was just it just became a headache. As much as much as it's beating my own drum here, as much as I think it is a kick-ass story, when I remove myself and I look at it as you know, a one man's journey through the prison system, but he learns stuff that people don't know on the outside. You know, yeah. But it it just started to become like the albatross around my neck, right. And I knew I wanted to be a writer, and I and I had 
several other stories I'd been working on and, and I wasn't focusing on them as much. And then I read uh, Anna Waitley's book, uh, Peter Liars Rating Normal, which is about a 14-year-old girl who's autistic and from memory it's been... I think she had ADHD too because Anna based it on herself, uh, Peter Liar on herself. And, and then I started seeing more and more books about... Uh, neurodivergent. Um, we even heard one tonight. Yeah, we, we yeah we heard one tonight. Uh, Kay, Kay Kerr. Kay Kerr. Uh, exactly. Which was awesome. That was so such oh, a good reading. That was so funny. I bought I bought that book. I went up to Based her. Based on I, the reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She yeah. did. Yeah, she did really well. That was that was awesome. I, I went up to her. And I said, Oh man, I, I had tears. I was laughing so much. <laughs> that was so funny. It was very good. And which my my uh, the the book I'm working on at the moment, uh, which is currently, the working title is Until I Jump. Um, it's based... Good title. Thank you. I Thank like you. it. Um, it's set in 1980. Um, it's based on 10-year-old me, um, but the name of the character is uh, Jet Floyd. Um, I named him after two of uh, uh, my best friend's boys. One's called Jet and one's called Floyd. And, oh, that's cute, man. And like um, Jet is ADHD. Okay. So um, I thought, and, and Jet is 10. Um, he's Mr. 10, the one I read to every Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and, I, and I thought, you know, what would be great is if a kid like Jet and others like him had a book that was like for them just like um, yeah. Anna Waitley uh, and Kate Kerr's books um, and you know there's, a, there's an ever ever increasing for some reason nobody can explain why why there's more of a prevalence of ADHD and ADD and do you think there's more of a prevalence of it or do you think that it's just being actually accurately diagnosed now I think you're right because uh, that's the conclusion I've come to because like in all honesty I see ADHD everywhere yeah like um, I was saying to um, I had coffee with my friend Rania another Brisbane writer uh, last Friday and, and I said to her because her daughter is ADHD as well and um, I said I see it everywhere and she's like is it because you now see yourself? And I, and I said, yeah, I, I, I understand people's behaviours. Yeah. Y you know, like, if I see, if I see a bloke, um, you know, say, standing on the side of the road and he's, like, yelling at traffic, yeah. straight away I'm not going, he's angry about something. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, what's his dysfunction? Yeah, okay. So you have a bit more, maybe, a bit more empathy and stuff like that for yeah, people. Yeah, I do. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, um... You know, so the, the reason, one of the reasons I, I started writing this book, um, it was funny. Like a lot of a lot of the the stories I write, um, some I just write in chunks. They may never evolve to anything else because my brain is constantly always telling me stories for some reason, and, and I never realised until now it's it's actually the ADHD because yeah, right. When my brain's not stimulated enough it starts entertaining itself. So it'll start telling itself stories. It'll it'll bring songs out of nowhere and, you know, I'll have, yeah, you know, let, oh, yesterday, yeah. I had the theme song to the old TV series Flipper, The yeah. Dolphin. Yeah, I was, when head. you tweeted that, I was glad that I never watched Flipper because oh. I feel like it would have just instantly been stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah, it was. For, for like a couple of hours, it drove me nuts. And, I, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and there are things, even, even the Dex, Dex Amphetamine doesn't take away it, um... 
Yeah. It, the ADHD doesn't go away at all. It, it just helps me focus. It's still there. Yeah. You know, like, like tonight at, at Avid, you know, because I was with friends that I hadn't seen in quite a while, I hadn't been to Avid for, for a few months, and um, I could feel, I could feel the, the hyper part of ADHD coming through. It's like... <gasps> I'm with friends, you know. It's like it's like dog chasing his shiny hubcap no, down the no. street. But I was in more control. Normally, I'd be like talking at a thousand miles an hour, and you know, sure. going from person to person to person to person. I got yeah, to tell you yeah. this and but that. You had a bit more ability to make decisions. The brakes. Were yeah, on. right. The handbrake was on, so it was it was refreshing because I don't think I've been with. Apart from the catch-up I had uh, the week before with uh, five five of uh, Brisbane's writers, Kathy George was one. Yeah. Um, I um, I hadn't really road tested my new brain. I, that's the way I'm putting it. It was my new brain. Sure. Uh, okay. Um, but getting back to until I jump, um, I I had a, I remembered an incident that happened when I was ten and. My family were living in Ingleburn in uh, New South Wales at the time, which is like uh, west of Sydney, about half an hour, 40 minutes drive, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, from memory. Um, And my mum worked at the pharmacy downtown. Like, Ingleburn was a dinky little, like, country town back in those days. Like, it was an army town. Yeah. Uh, Most of the kids I went to school with, uh, parents were in the army. Um, Our street was littered with, like like normal houses like ours then the army had like housing commission houses so like every second or third house would be an army house and you could tell them because they were just that brown brick government issue yeah yeah standard design standard Um, as they come yep yeah yeah so mum had gone to work on this Saturday and the next minute there was like police everywhere like New South Wales government must have just sent the entire police force police force descended on Ingleburn right and dad went to find out what was happening and apparently um, this outlaw was coming through Ingleburn and boys from Lithgow oh awesome heck yeah heck yeah here are the burgers that would be is that the your mum which one's your mum? That's mom? the Pekin Wood. That's the your mum. Oh, sweet. Oh, jeez. Awesome. That looks good, man. Oh, not just yet. Thanks, no, we're man. good. Yeah. Thank you, mate. Thanks, man. Thank you. Heck yeah, I'm so excited. I, Sorry I, to interrupt your story with our burgers. Yeah, no, that's fine, because I was just going to say that um, Danny V wanted us to take photos. So we'll just we'll just pause in proceedings here while Ben and I whip out our smartphones and take a... Man, it looks pretty good. It's got brisket. I've got macaroni cheese. I've got shoestring onion and a big pickle on top. I'm pretty stoked on this place. To, it's, be, to be honest, I, I don't really know what's... You don't know what the heck you got because you just wanted to get your mum? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I did I did read what... You went for the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good thing. That's, you know, you got the joke. But um, it looks pretty good. The fries on there look really nice. I, I must have missed the bit where they said they had fries yeah, on. Yeah, I don't remember seeing that bit either. Um, I'll just quickly wrap up my story on Until I Jump before yeah. I take a bite. Actually, no, I'm going to have a shoestring fry first. I'm going to eat. You can go ahead. All right, you eat and I'll... Oh, my gosh. It's so drippy. Oh, man. Um, anyway, um... Oh, my gosh. Sorry. This is amazing. What the heck is this? I, I, I believe I'm going to be making a mess here. Um, yeah. So, anyway, Dad, Dad uh, went up to a couple of the cops and asked what was going on, found out that there was pretty much going to be a bikey war happening in Ingleburn. Hence all the uh, constabulary descending on the town. 
Yeah. And I had this, uh, that, I don't know why that memory came to my head uh, one day, and then I thought, you know what? I was obsessed with Evil Knievel, the American motorcycle stuntman, when I was 10. Absolutely obsessed. I actually uh, went on to do stunt training when I was... Um, you did stunt training? Yeah. What the heck? Yeah, I um, trained with um, Peter Brock's brother, Phil Brock. Um, he had his own stunt agency. Some would consider him the lesser Brock. The, the lesser Brock, But yeah. no, but... But not actually like the underground people who really. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just making up crap. Yeah, go for it. No, but he is good. Like he's the he's the proper Brock. The Brock. Um, okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, actually, Phil Phil Brock um, uh, drove a few of the cars in the Mad Max films. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, and he started a stunt agency. And like many things with my life and ADHD, I always wanted to be a stuntman. I was doing a film a film course after I finished high school because I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with my life. And while I was doing the film course, um, the guys that were running it were like, oh, by the way, the Mission Impossible TV series is being filmed in Brisbane. What? Uh, this is the um, this is the late 80s uh, TV series of Mission Impossible. So I, I uh, being ADHD, unawares at the time that I was, um, I used to have this superpower of ingratiating myself on people, so... I went onto the film set, uninvited, and um, <laughs> and I uh, asked who the who the stunt crew were, and uh, the director, who was actually quite polite, um, but was quite rude into hurrying me out of the way because I was only 18, 18 at the time, scrawny little blonde skinny kid. He's trying to get stuff done. Yeah, he's trying to get stuff done. You know, make a TV series, and I'm asking him where the stunt crew are. And, I eventually found them and uh, uh, met Phil Brock and and he lived on the Gold Coast and then every Saturday from the ages of 18 to 23 I, um, I'd go down there and train as a stuntman. There was about probably 30 of us. Um, you know, I've, I've been set on fire. I've done a... What? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I've got the newspaper clipping somewhere at home too. Um... 10 metre free fall into an airbag did a couple of auditions I auditioned for Kylie Minogue's movie The Delinquents uh, for a schoolyard fight because there was only like baby faced uh, but you didn't land that gig uh uh-uh. because all the older guys I'm going to talk with this burger in my mouth oh man go ahead. That, sorry I finished I uh, woofed it down it was amazing oh yeah it was so drippy though you vacuumed that. That was just, it was brisket and mac, just for the mic, brisket, macaroni, cheese, and shoestring deep fried onion fries and a barbecue sauce, and it was delicious. It's expensive at Sea Pickle, but review is, I very much like it. How's your burger? Well, um, pardon to the listeners at home, I've got a mouthful of burger. Look, um, uh, <laughs> I, I think it was like a Wagyu a Wagyu it does look pretty good yeah and there was like something to do with truffle sauce or something on it oh my gosh you fancy yeah oh yeah 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 I didn't know you were fancy so anyway stuntman yep um yep stuntman circling back to talking about your book yeah which we will get back to Mm -hmm. um so anyway um all the older guys were getting um all the uh better roles on the Mission Impossible series because, you know, they were all big, muscly, tough men that looked like mercenaries and yeah. soldiers and skinny little blonde-headed me was always looked over. So, And as always in my life, I just lost interest and went and found something else to do. 
um, which has been pretty much all my life. But circling back to the book, once again. Can I say very quickly mm-hmm. that the ingratiating yourself and just putting your hand up and saying, can I do this thing? Mm. You shouldn't lose that. I think that's a really good quality because you haven't had a published work yet Mm. and yet you've been on Words and Nerds podcast two times. Yes. Like I'd have no hope of that. (laughs) You just, by by dint of your personality, you know what I mean? And people love you. People love talking to you and they're everyone's best friend. So it's definitely not a bad quality at all. You know, and like, uh, sorry, I'm just going to keep talking with a burger in my mouth. Sure. Because it's going to be funny. You're very rude, but that's fine. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm going to choke in a minute. Um, and this has been a part of the journey because a lot of you guys, and I think I said this with Holden as well on the other podcast, was that a lot of you guys sort of stuck by me and those of you that I call my close writer friends and just friends, um, yeah. you've all supported me. And that's the thing that's kept me going all this time. Speaking and of that support, if you don't mind, just if we just talk very quickly, you just had a really very fun encounter at oh. uh, Avid Reader. We don't need to mention names necessarily, no. but uh, some big, exciting sort of developments in the career of Grant, if you don't mind sharing. Um, we're not going to mention names, but um, this lucky little black duck may have an agent. <laughs> And that, was, that, was good, that was a good way of putting it. I like that. He actually, for those of you who can't see, he actually did cup his hand around the microphone, so he was like gently whispering in your ear. But um, yeah, uh, it was Mirandi Rewo who Grant knows. Um, is an awesome writer. I'd love to have her on this podcast, but she um introduced you, and uh, you had a great conversation with you know, and this yep. exciting stuff. How do you feel about that? Oh. Like I said to you, um, at Avid, like, normally, um, if my decks wasn't in control of my brain, I would have just been like, bah! like, just, brain just would have been fritzing. <laughs> but um, I was fortunate enough, and thank you to the lovely Mirandi, and yep. um, I, I got introduced to somebody, and I was able to do an elevator pitch and introduce myself. And Oh, mate, the elevator pitch, how did you go? I always stuff the elevator pitch. Verbally, if I can edit myself and write it for days in an email, I'm okay. But it, verbally, how did you go? Well, hang on, I'm just about choking burger. <laughs> um, <laughs> the funny thing is, is I worked in sales at JB Hi-Fi for about um, eight years. I've always had the gift of the gab, and this is what I keep telling people: is that you got to learn to sell yourself. Right. Not everybody can be um, boisterous and bubbly and lovable. Like <laughs> like you. Like me. Like you. Uh, like Holden. Uh, yeah, 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 like Holden Shepard. Um, I am just low-rent Holden today. I'm not as bubbly and as charming as Holden, but I'm, I'm doing my best, Holden, all right? <laughs> doing my best. <laughs> um, but that's been another superpower because, like, when I started working at JB and uh, selling uh, cameras, um, being ADHD, it takes me a while to get started with new concepts. And the pressure was on back in those days. Like um, when I first started working in sales, there was no internet online shopping. 
we were the only store in the city in Adelaide Street. Yeah, right. And um, it was great because um, the bulk of the business was done at lunchtime. Yeah. So you'd have all these people come in from the office buildings around about and um, they didn't have time to negotiate or whatever. They'd just walk in and go, I want that camera, memory card, bag, tripod. Done, I'm out. Yeah. They've done their research. They know what they want. They're gone. Yeah. Which worked in my favour because because um, um, because I had that that um, chance to sort of like just get used to selling things. Um, once JB opened up a, f- a couple of other stores in the city, that took away a lot of the sales, and then the online shopping came on. But I always had the gift of the gab. Yeah. Um, I ended up winning a competition, a camera competition through. Uh, Panasonic Australia, I had to, uh, for three months, I had to sell as many Panasonic cameras as I could um, and be in the top 10 nationwide. That was between all of JB Hi-Fi stores nationwide. I came in at number two. Wow. And I won a trip to Japan for 10 days. Whoa. All on Panasonic's wallet. That's awesome. And uh, so you can, yeah, yeah, like you say, gift of the gab, you have the ability to sell your idea. But, I don't know, how, how do you go about framing it then? Like, like how do you go about framing this this novel? You, you, you were pitching the, the idea that you were just talking about, right? Sorry, yeah. what was the title again? Uh, Until I Jump. Until I Jump. And well, so, how did you pitch it? Like, you know, elevator pitch means that you have... I don't know, maybe people on the internet don't know, but elevator pitch is where you have pretty much... You get on... You get on an elevator with Steven Spielberg and you have six floors up to pitch him your idea for a film and sell him that this is the idea that he wants to... The next film he wants to make. So it has to be short, snappy, got all the things you need in there. So how did you do it? A ten-year-old boy with ADHD gets caught up in a bikey war and all he's interested in is going to see Evil Knievel at the Sydney showgrounds and his uncle is mixed up in the bikey war because his uncle's the outlaw motorcycle gang president. All right. That's pretty good. I, 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 I would read that book. Oh, and I also threw in that um, his baby, his 16-year-old babysitter is his um, Watson to his homes. <laughs> because she's going to be the conduit between, you know... Yeah, sure. So he's sort of... Yeah, yeah, okay. So modern day... Okay. I like it. Okay, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I've got to work on my pitch. Because as you were, as we were driving here, I'd been talking about my new project with a few people and just bumbling around with my words. So as we were driving to Z Pickle, I was trying to practice the pitch of it, and I was still struggling. So I don't know what's going to happen with that. Anyway, um, I'll develop it. I'll, I'll just jump in. I, I don't think they gave us napkins, did they? No, I, I um, just wiped my fingers on well, my pants. You um, you talk to the audience. I'll uh, I'll go and get some uh, napkins. Go on, you. Can You're do abandoning it. You can me mid podcast. You can do it. Oh, now it's awkward. Well, maybe I'll take this time to actually talk about the beer I had, which was excellent. It was a pale ale, and it was Your Mates. And Your Mates is a brewing uh, establishment, I believe, on the Sunshine Coast. And I had what they're, I think it was they're called their Harry, and it's really delicious. Um, really cool can design as well. They look like these graffiti art. I've had a, a few times had stubbies of theirs. Um, but, yeah, really worthwhile getting a... Uh, Sunshine Coast, your mates. Uh, yeah, shout out to them actually, because they're really you know small little brewery. I don't know whether you can even buy their stuff interstate. So um, yeah, worth getting into though. Um, 
Yeah, I noticed you were talking about your beer while I went and got some napkins because I'm covered in grease. Yes, I was too. Um, but I wiped them on my pants. Oh, okay. Uh, well, you're a big boy now. It's just a choice. I do laundry. Hey, I do my impressing. No oh, on, we're not out in front of a. We're not out to impress. We're not visually. Not visually. Not visually. No. Um, um, we should probably move on to actually talking about the novel you've chosen, and I'd love to talk to you about sure. it, and especially how it relates to you and your creativity, because um, I really enjoyed reading this book. So the book Grant chose for us to read was the Sonia Hartnett novel Sleeping Dogs. Um, I really love Sonia Hartnett. I read her book Butterfly, and that was part of my um, when I was at university doing a, an English degree because I'm an English teacher. Um, we had to read Butterfly, and I loved that book. But for some reason, I just never had sought out any of her other books. And so, reading Sleeping Dogs, it's such a distinct and interesting book. And I guess the first question I would have is, why this book? Why is this a book that stuck with you? When did you read it? All those sorts of things. Like, why is this a book that's so so important to you? Well, we uh, just uh, like yourself. I, I I read it at university for uh, when I was doing my bachelor in creative uh, writing. I think I'm going to burp, and, and I'm. I, <laughs> well, you can burp directly into the mic, or you can lean away. Well, that's your I, choice. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you could edit it out, but uh, I'm not going to edit it out. Oh, all right. No, uh, it's going to be it. Right, so your choice right. is to lean away or obnoxiously. <laughs> Burp into the microphone. <laughs> it's subsided now. Ah, oh, dang. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, 2013, I was doing Bachelor of Creative uh, Writing at QUT. Um, I was doing a class in uh, young adult uh, literature. Yeah. And it was one of the chosen texts, um, which I found bizarre that they called it young adult. Yeah, I actually had that in my questions. It is. It is full on. Oh, yeah. It, it is a full-on book. It's, it's up there with yours. Was, oh, okay. <laughs> didn't realise Snake Island was like that. Well, no, 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 no. Not talking about that stuff. Um, Just what do you mean, like, dark and mature yeah, yeah, and that like, sort of thing? Oh, yeah. wait. I, I, um, oh, I'm all right, thanks. Yeah, mate. I'm yeah. all good. Thank you, though. Thanks, mate. Um, um, I won't give away uh, uh, the ending, but that ending, that, that was just... Yeah, that was really full on. I wasn't... I mean, the tone of the whole book is very dark, and so I didn't really expect things to turn out very well. Like, I sort of I sort of thought it would always just pitch down the whole time. Yeah. But, yeah, it's, it's fairly... It's like it's violent, and yeah. it's frightening. Oh, yeah. And it's very tense. Yes. And the, the, the way that Sonia writes the book is very stripped and lean. Like, there's not... I mean, I'm holding the copy of the book, like your copy of the book, and it's very lean. It's like a novella, right? Yeah, it's novella size, yeah. But it's just, there's not a wasted sentence, not a wasted word. It's all, it's all very, yeah, it's a very crisp writing, I thought, and I loved it. Oh, uh, and the metaphors, I love yeah. her metaphors. It's just gorgeous. Yes. Uh, uh, not giving away any spoilers, but that, that scene with the dogs, and she says they're like liquid fur. Yeah. I think when, yeah. when they were charging at that bloke yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but um, no uh, when when I did this class it was like the first first year of the writing degree and, and I I, ha- I didn't really have any idea of what I was going to write um, it 
the only reason I started doing the course was it was a means to an end because in 2012 I'd been arrested and lost my job, didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I looked at QUT's website, saw creative writing, thought, yep, I can write. I already had a bachelor degree in design um, and other um, TAFE subjects, diploma multimedia and a whole bunch of... I, I had I had learning at the yin-yang, so um, yeah. I, I was in, uh, in like Flynn. And um, I didn't have any... Like, to be honest, I, at, in the first semester, in, even into the second semester, I, I had this... I had the whole court stuff going on in my head, lawyers, and it was it was literally... I was just there to kill time. Yeah. You know, I hadn't really thought about actually being a writer, sitting down and writing a book. And then we started looking at uh, Sonia Hartnett's book, Sleeping Dogs, and I was like... Holy hell! This, this is good. Yeah. You know, like the only sort of, uh, you know, what happened for me when I did both my bachelor and the master's degree is that over the time, which ended up being like six years worth of learning how to be a writer, um, I was open to a world of books that I'd never even. Yeah, it's good like that, eh? I'd never even yeah. thought of picking up a Sonia Hartnett. You know, I, you know, like I. I at that stage of my life, I, I you know barely read any novels, really. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, maybe a Stephen King or the know, big, big, big commercial yeah, sort of yeah, big yeah, commercial yeah. Commercial fiction, and then, um, but when we started breaking it down, like uh, you know, I, I'd never looked at literature before, and what goes into writing literary fiction as opposed yeah. to commercial fiction. And when when they when the uh, I, I think from memory it was Kate Cantrell or it may have been Sarah Kanaik who were my tutors. It was either one of them because I had them twice for the same subject. Um, when they started talking about the light and the dark, like how, mm. you know, uh, I don't know how much of the story I can give away, but... Um, You're welcome to give it, honestly. It's a, it's, it came out in 95, so... Yeah, I guess we can... Yeah, it's I, like it's, if, we, if we spoil it, I don't think it's going to stop people from reading it. You know, like if I'd known the ending, I still would have read it. It doesn't. It's not the ending that. It's the it's the it's the experience of reading it that was the oh, joy for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because basically you got the Willow family. Um, you got the, the the father Griffin Willow, the mother Grace. Um, then you got Oliver, Jordan, Michelle, um, Speck, Speck, the, the little do- uh, little sister, and Edward. And they all live on this uh, rundown farm, uh, which Edward, the eldest son, is basically running himself because the father's useless. Yeah. But what I found interesting when we started dissecting this book was how the family had such a close correlation to being a pack of dogs themselves. Yes. And you see... The book's called Sleeping Dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And, you know, like, um, I I distinctly remember we had to talk about this in class and uh, do a presentation... And I'd because com- the, the the mother Grace is just this. Um, you, you don't know what's wrong with her. It might be depression, um, but she's she just sits and stares in the lounge room all day at her teapot that she loves. Yeah. Um, so it might be a neurosis of some kind. We we don't really find out why. What I found weird was this book, considering it's young adult, has themes of incest. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say it has themes of incest. It has actual incest in the book. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it has yeah. actual incest between uh, Michelle and Jordan. Yeah, and um, the way Sonia does it too is very um, subtle. 
Yeah, she doesn't ever, like, yeah, there's absolutely no explicit no. sort of stuff no. in there, which I think would have been a bit too much for some people to, to, to grapple with. But you get the hint, you get you the get idea. You get the idea, yeah. She's yeah. very clever that way. Yeah, yeah, like, there's that scene where Michelle and Jordan are in the barn, and it's like, she says something like, oh, she puts her arms around his shoulders and they fall back in the hay. Yeah. And that's that. That cuts. That cuts. And yeah. you, you go, yep, okay. Got it. Got it. Um, so, it's, yeah, it, it's not, like, out out there. It's it's very subtle, but, you, you know. You, yeah. But, but that rolls back to the comparing the family to dogs because that's what dogs do, too. Yeah. You know, yeah, and then I guess um, going to um, it also obviously the book deals with domestic violence in a really yes. um, I would say she's much more explicit about actually showing that happens. Yes. Yes. Um, the the father is yeah, like you say, quite useless and um, this dominating figure, and um, he often hits um, Jordan. Jordan especially. That's because uh, all of the children are black-haired like the father, but Jordan's Jordan's blonde-haired, blonde-haired, grey eyes, and looks different. So he's the mongrel. Yeah, right. And the father being the pack leader, the mongrels are often the ones that get chewed on or bitten. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, But I found that stuff really confronting and difficult to, to read, which I think when you're talking about domestic violence... Um, like it, I, I feel like it shouldn't be a pretty thing. Like you wouldn't want to sugarcoat it. Like it's no. quite violent and horrible. Um, but this book came out in 1995. Yeah. And I think you know, obviously, um, with with there's been a lot more conversation now, which I'm grateful for in Australia about domestic violence. Um, you know, we're still making ground in that area, but we've come a fair way. But this book came out in 95, and so it would have been quite full on I think for people in 95 like young adults to read about this happening and to be experiencing these violent scenes without any sort of like she doesn't try to pretty it up at all like she doesn't try to make us feel good at the end you know and like it's okay we're solving this problem like it's just it's such a violent part of the book I remember the first time I read it and that that ending I that I sat on that for quite some time just thinking about it like at the time that was probably one of the most brutal endings to a book yeah I'd ever read it was just like oh wow you know um but yeah what I like is the the artist that comes to stay at the farm yeah I like how he's the um the challenging male dog yeah, I guess you could say like he's 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 the um, you know he's he's just there at the sidelines and you know he's uh, what what would you call him? He'd be the antagonist. So yeah, so yeah, sort of? yeah. No, he would be. Yeah, he would be because he's the opposing force. He's the thing that comes in and threatens to spill the secret of the incestuous relationship to the father. And obviously the father's predilection to hitting Jordan, we know exactly what's going to happen when he finds that out. So this artist becomes the threat that's going to unspool this whole family, even though there's so many, like, like the fact that that family was existing, like, there wasn't a happy existence. No, they were just existing. They were just existing, yeah. Because if you remember, um, the, the eldest the eldest son Edward 
refers to them, his parents, as that mother and that father. Yeah. So you kind of, I, I kind of got the sense when I reread it this week, because um, uh, it's been quite a while since, uh, oh, about eight years now since I last read it. Um, you kind of get the sense that um, this family were put together and those children were stolen because. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because when you think about it, like it says somewhere that the that um, that uh, Griffin Willow he went to Vietnam. He was a, a chef or something in Vietnam, um, but he never he. And I, reading into it now, I think Griffin himself was ADHD. That inability to settle with uh, into a relationship, um, but it always becomes about satisfying what interests him and then I forget where exactly in the book it was but there is a sense there that the family was actually uh, oh because the younger the young son Oliver he says something about having a memory of living in another house really I don't remember reading that part and there was a bloke that played a piano next door and whenever he he was lying in the paddock by himself and he could hear this tune in his head, mm. and he remembered it as being the tune of a piano that the old boy next door played. And he says he has a vague memory of his mother being happy. And then he says something else about. I always just took that to mean like that. That was that they just moved a lot because I think they do mention that that they came to the town. Like that's a sort of a theme that they're the outsiders of the town. I just thought that meant that they moved around a fair bit when they were kids. But you think it actually means that they're sort of this... Yeah, because when you look at Jordan, the... um, The The different one. The different one. Yeah. Um, You know, and the way that Griffin treats him, it's like, well, you know, did they steal these kids? Yeah, okay, interesting. Maybe the older kids, like Edward and Michelle, um, maybe the legitimate kids of the family but I, I just had this sense that Oliver the younger one and Jordan Jordan were stolen from somewhere but um, that's very interesting like I did not get that reading at all but that's cool oh, I there, like there's, that. A, there's a lot there's a lot to unpack in that book it's, yeah it's, for um, sure but uh, it's a wonderful read yeah um, yeah we're making it sound horrible but I mean maybe Grant and I are a bit more predisposed to liking dark and brooding novels but it's <laughs> it's very it's very dark. It's very, yeah. I wouldn't read it going in hoping for like a nice resolution, but if you're into if you're into books and literature that really examine our existence and examine what it means to be a family and all those sorts of things, but just does it in this way that's just like really confrontational, like you feel confronted by the book. Um, but if you're into that sort of read, this one's amazing. It's such a good book. And getting back to why I, I now write... Um, until I jump is yeah. going. I want it to be that kind of book, right? Not 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 like Sleeping Dogs, but I, I want it to be that whole, you know, that that family dynamic. Like, you know, how does a kid with ADHD, you know, and other kids with dysfunctional brains, you know, you know how, how do they actually like me, for example? You know, um, how did I go from ten years of age to fifty years of age? And make it, yeah, you know that far, you know, because um, the struggle, right? It's a yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's yeah, our, our human existence is a lot of the time just just trying to, I guess, trying to exist in a in a way that's healthy to us, right? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like 
novels that deal with that in a really redemptive, joyful way and hopeful way are, are awesome, and I love reading those books. But I think books that really deal with that struggle in a way that sort of feels real. It feels real, but in in the way that you read Sleeping Dogs, you feel like though life can be really hard, you're not by yourself in the struggle. That's the thing that I find with those sorts of darker books. I don't know whether you find that. that that's exactly right. Uh, I, I do find that um, because it, it brings it back to a similar position I find myself in is that, you know, I'd been this twirling dervish my whole life of just going from place to place to place to place to place, yeah. not, knowing, not knowing my dysfunctional brain was the driving force behind all my indecisions, my inability to hold friendships, relationships, the whole works, and, and now I'm on this journey of rebuilding Yeah, that's myself. a good way of putting it. Like, I'm literally, literally, can't say the word, <laughs> literally. 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 That's the one. Yeah. Um, I'm not reinventing myself, I'm, I'm being, I like to think, reborn into who I was meant to be. Now, thanks to the dexamphetamine and my psychiatrist's help, and you're being, you you're know, going through refinement. Yeah. You're yeah. finding the core of what makes you tick, and then you're sticking yeah. more healthily to that core rather than putting all these other things on top of it all the time, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like, um, you know, this year's sort of been like testing the waters, you know, with certain things like my exercise regime and all yep. that that I've been doing. But that's what I want to put into my books now. That's cool. Is, is you know, like once I learnt what liter- literary fiction actually means you know like sure write a a great story it's entertaining and that but just that undercurrent of little messages here and there that make people think yeah yeah you know like it doesn't have to be blatant it doesn't have to be a screaming neon sign but just something there that makes people go look at the book and then like say they're reading my book until i jump and then they look at their own kid and go you know what I see a lot of my kid in this kid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I get that. And um, I, to, to me too, like when I read books about someone, I've never, I've never picked up a book because of its subject matter. Like I've never picked up a book like this is a story that's set in this sort of world. I don't read books for that reason. I read because of the people writing the book. And that's much more interesting to me than what's actually literally happening. And I think that's because, like I was saying, as human beings, we all have these things that we struggle with and we all struggle with all these variety of things. And certainly some of us struggle with things relationally and like you say, like even just in our minds as well, emotional things, physical things. Like there's so many different things. But I think the, the thing that unites every person is that we have all we've all suffered and struggled with something in our lives. Yeah. Right? And so when I read a book like like your book or any book with a character like that, even though I don't think that I have um, ADHD, um, I have had struggles. So when I hear about a kid trying to find who he is, even though his mind's telling him he's something else, like, oh, I can relate to that <laughs> for sure. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. So that's what I think, and this is what I think Sleeping Dogs does as well. Like, I'm so far removed from the Willow family yeah, but at yeah, the same yeah. time, like, Jordan in there who just feels like the outcast all the time. Jordan yeah. who feels like he's got no hope in the world. Um, you know, I can see myself in him. And, and like you said, Edward who just feels like he has to do everyone else's work 
all the time and he has to run things even though he's this young kid. Like, I can relate to that. I can yeah. relate to having too much responsibility. Like, even Oliver, who wants to go to university, but then he can't because he doesn't think that he, he's smart enough, even though yeah. he is, yeah. but he's trapped. Like, all these things. I can relate to all those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even though it is a dark book, um, I think that's part of the appeal for me. Like, I like reading literature like that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. But, but see, I... <laughs> Even though I like to read uh, not not predominantly dark stuff, I mean I I, I read widely, like, um, but um, I I find what works for me um, is the humour in my writing. Uh, something uh, my professor picked up on when he read my memoir. He uh, he said when I, when I was putting it together, he's like, take the the worries me and the angst out. And keep the humour, he said, because you're funny. He said, and that's that's what makes it. He said, um, it, it's it's the funny, and and with this new this until I jump that I'm working on, it's like I made the protagonist Jet like the things he does to a, an onlooker would be funny. You know, there's a scene where uh, there's a scene where he's up on the roof of the house. And he's managed to drag his BMX up there. He's got his stack hat on. He's got a beach towel tied around his neck like a cape because he can evil wore capes. And uh, he's done himself diagrams of where he's going to project himself off the roof of the BMX. And and Caitlin, his uh, babysitter who lives sort of across the street yeah. from him, um, he, he, she had been asked to come and babysit him and she was running late and he's up on the roof walking backwards and forwards counting his steps and um, you know she you know, she calls out to him you know hey Jed mate you, you alright up there buddy you know yeah. sort of thing yeah, and, yeah. and he's totally disregarding her yeah you know and um, and uh, cause uh, you don't really hear it much these days but like back in like the the 80s like your big spunk like you hear it on um, yeah, yeah. Kath and Kim and yeah, that, yeah. But, but I made like um, Caitlin call him your big spunk a few times, like just to get under his skin because he's at the moment he's the kind of kid that likes to tell people um, they're doing something wrong because his mum says that's wrong. You know, like um, he uh, Caitlin smokes, so there's a scene where like um, when we lived in Ingleburn, Ingleburn High School was at the end of my street. And then the main drag Dingleburn went down and the, the sports oval was there. I had this whole scene where Jet's pedalling his new BMX out. Um, he's heading to school and um, Caitlin and a few of the other um, high schoolers are, are smoking on the oval. And um, and because uh, Jet's always in a world of his own, like he, he doesn't pay much attention to, unless it's interesting him, he'll pay attention. Yes. Uh, so he's pedalling away and Caitlin calls out to him, you know, hey, Jet, you big spunk. And he turns back and says, mum says you'll die of smoking. Yeah, <laughs> just, just little things like, like, like things like that that people would uh, find funny, you know, like sure. he, he just blurts out, you know, mum sure. says your lungs will fill of smoke and you'll die of cancer. Yeah. And he's always telling people things like that, but... Um, but without giving much away, uh, when the bikey war hits, uh, he starts to sort of have a little bit of an awakening that his world's collapsing, 
and he needs to, right. you know, sort of start thinking differently. Differently, yeah. Because uh, uh, his uncle, um, who's who I've written is the one that gets out of prison, um, his mum is the uncle's brother, and they don't know he's been released, but he told the parole board that he's staying at their house when he's not. Right. So that's why... They get caught up in it. Yeah. You know. All right, so when you say you've got to, you're going to have all these scenes, have you written these or are these planned? Yeah. You've written all this? Yeah. Is the book written? Um, six chapters. Six chapters of it. And what, are you, what, what do you think you'll get to? Like, how far, how much longer do you think you're going to be working on it? Um, it's pretty good. Like, I, I remember you saying you were starting work on this. That's pretty prodigious. It's 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 like the bones of it at the moment. Sure, but it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like a start, I, yeah. it's like I, I, and you know yourself, you, you sort of get a scene in your head and you go right this this and this happens, but you don't write the in between stuff as yet. Yeah, and that's where it is. It's, it's like in. it's like six chapters of uh, rough sketches before the paint hits the canvas, so to speak. Cool, but um, y- you know, so I, it's sort of like it's told in different voices, like. Um, you know, when it's a chapter about Jet, it's his voice. Yeah. But then it switches to, like, um, omnipresent third party. Oh, yeah. When it's his uncle and his, uh, his uh, sergeant-at-arms, when uh, the sergeant-at-arms comes and gets him out of prison. So it's kind of like the reader's on the back seat. Yeah, listening right. Listening to what the bikings are going to be doing. Right, 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 right. Uh, I've already got a shootout. Um, oh, cool. Got a highway shootout. The, him a highway shootout? Yeah, well, his uncle... And Don't spoil too much. I feel like we're getting right into spoilers yeah, here. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I'll, I'll, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll dial it back now. We need a burp again, so we have to delete all actually, this. Actually, no, all the, ga- all the, all, all the <laughs> gas is gone. But no, no, that's... Um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much sort of... Uh, it's it's action-packed. It's going to have a few... It sounds cool, man. It sounds exciting. Well, I mean, it's got Evil Knievel in it and you know stuntman so uh, stunt I don't know man. if I, I don't know if I can actually I, I may have to change it uh, from evil can evil because uh, that might infringe on copyright so um, yeah I'm not sure of that um, he's a public figure though so I'm not sure what you'd have to do with that but yeah. that'll, that'll sort itself yeah, out that'll, later that'll you don't have to work out I, I can always make up a make up another stuntman's name but um, yes. it, it just works for the time being because everybody knows or most people know who Evil Knievel was you know? yeah I would say that's very true um but what, what, what else you got for me? I'm sort of... Well, uh, look, I mean, we haven't done any of the questions that I've written out. You sort of harped on a bunch You said you were going to throw me a curveball. Not really. Not really? No, not really. Okay. The curveball was just putting you on the spot to see what's happening with your book. Because, like I said, everyone's wanting to read your books. And so I the curveball yeah. was, where is it? We want it. Well, see, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, now that, now that um, you know, I, I could possibly have... You've got an in on an agent, for I've, sure. I have an in I have an in with an agent, so that was the kick in the bum my ADHD needed because if I don't have a structured day mm. or, you know, like if I don't have to be somewhere, my brain just wanders. Like I, I can't, you know, I can't go, right, I'm going to sit down sure. and write, you know, like, oh, tomorrow I'll go and smash out and tidy up those six chapters and then... Um, the agent I spoke with, you know, said, send them to me when they're ready. So you better believe come, uh, what's today, Saturday, come, say, Friday, I'm going to be asking somebody to read over the three first three chapters and yeah. a couple of people to read them and go, yep, 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 this is good, this is good, this is good. Yeah, so now you have a, you have a yeah, like you have an end goal, you have a destination that yeah. you can work towards. That's awesome. 
Yeah, so I'm, 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 I don't know, I, my, yeah, I, I'm sort of like just a whirl of excited in my head at the moment. So yeah. you should be, man, it's exciting. That's exactly yeah. what you should be. Yeah, so, um. And can I say, it doesn't happen all the time. And I think it's through dint of your hard work and your social interactions, but also I don't think, when you, when you go to a gig, man, you don't ever sort of appear like you're there to network. And I think you were talking about this with Holden. You're not there to just hand out business cards and say, hey, yep. remember my face. Yep, yep. You're there because you genuinely like the people and you like talking to people. I do. I, yeah, I love yeah. them. I love them all, you know. Like um, uh, like, I, like I said, you know, like I hadn't seen a few of them for, for, for months, you know. And, you know, like, uh, yeah, I, I genu- genuinely, you know, like, like, uh, like I, I rocked up. Uh, thinking that people are going to be there at four o'clock today, and um, I was there at three thirty because I was excited <laughs> to be there. <laughs> and Fiona uh, Steger, who runs Avid, um, she's like, "Oh no, it's it's just all on Zoom now." And I'm like, "Ah." Oh. I was looking around the bookstore. I'm thinking, "Oh, maybe somebody else is stupid enough to show up." <laughs> and um, and I said, "Well, I'm coming to the six o'clock one." And she's like, "I said, well, I'll buy a book and." I'll buy a beer and I'll sit out the back and read for two hours. Ideal. What a good afternoon. Oh, it was, but then she's gone, oh, no, she's like, no, 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 no. She said, "Um, um, I'll get your laptop from next door. And she parked me out the back with the laptop and had a couple of beers. And before I knew it, Karen and Carly showed up. And Yeah. It was great. It's it's, um, The thing I find again and again uh, from authors tends to be... It tends to be the value is authenticity. And it's just like being a genuine person who actually cares about your other authors. And, you know, that I think is much more rewarded than than being out for yourself and gung-ho and trying to run over people and fight. I mean, maybe I've just been really fortunate and had a lot of really great interactions with authors, but I, I can't think of a single author who I haven't had a great interaction with who seemed to take a genuine interest yeah. in my life. I've, for anyone who's listening to our podcast, which we'll finish up in a sec, I think, but um, it, I think that's, that's a piece of advice. I mean, take it or leave it, obviously, but... It, the writing community is so cool and yeah. I would say if, if you're just around the edges and just wanting to start out writing go to some events go and actually hear some authors talk about their work I go and introduce yourself it's, that's, that's, that's exactly fine. like they're not authors are not holier than thou and like oh, at least yeah. I've never met one who sort of tries to put on airs and pretend they're better than anyone else like it's all just shaking hands and saying hey man how are you and it's really good so and that's how I started that, that, that's literally how I started out was starting to go to um, like the writers festival where I met yourself and um, yep. and uh, through Twitter you know like uh, I'm friends with Trent Dalton we, we've been uh, friends since Boys Swallows Universe was in a rough draft wow you, you know, and yourself with um, uh, Snake Island and yep. um, Holden, uh, same with him, you know, uh, Invisible Boys was um, rough draft. Uh, there's been a couple that, uh, that have stuck around and like I, like I said on uh, the other podcast, I said like, I have no idea why some people follow me, you know, but, you know, like, uh, you know, as you were saying, like, you got to be authentic and just just be yourself like you know like you know because people pick up when you're not yeah you know I'm very intuitive in a lot of regards towards people you know like I know who to approach like who to touch on the shoulder or you know um, sure you know just like oh how you doing you know sort of thing yeah yeah but um um 
once you you find that you know that that genuine genuine circle of writers who you call friends, you know, and like Holden said, you know, these guys are going to be your first readers. Yeah. Yep. You know, and and before before anybody out in the public even knows that your book is on the bookshelf. <laughs> before before your book even hits the shelves, the the other writers that know you, they're going to be the first ones to buy your book. Yes, you know, and and that's like tonight, like Kay Kerr, like um, her book. Uh, uh, the title eludes me. It's not her new one, The Social Cue. It's it was, only about hugs. Don't hug. yeah. Please don't hug me. Please don't, please hug, don't me. hug me. Probably not a book I would have gone out and bought from the bookstore yeah um, but because she was there and she read that page that was absolutely hilarious and my chest was hurting from laughter <laughs> I went up to her I went up to her and I said I'm going to buy your book and you must sign it you, you know and, and I you know and that's that's what I, I found that a lot of authors love is when you, you're genuinely excited about something that happened in their book that made you want to pick it up and you know say oh sign this book yeah you know it never gets it never yeah it's always lovely to hear like someone says to you oh, I really you know how's it going how where's your book coming and I really loved your writing here and all that stuff is just amazing and like just speaking as a person who's had a few of these I guess um, interactions with people online like I love I love getting questions and I love hearing mm. from people and I you can always sense there's this weird thing where it's just like a bit standoffish where they're like should I ask him for yep. him to read me this page and like it's a bit weird and I don't really want to and let's just ask like the only I mean the worst thing I can say is I'll just say I'm, I'm no I'm sorry I'm a bit busy at the moment and like authors yeah. can do that but like just yeah reach out to people it's really part of the fun of books and writing is that we can have this avenue of discourse that's a shared thing right like yeah. It's just rare to but find it, friendships it, that <laughs> <laughs> nowadays, you know. But but it, it doesn't happen overnight. It's it's a process. It's a learning curve. You, you know, you you got to think of how you approach people, your own personality. You, you know. Yeah. I, I still I still have I still walk away from conversations going oh well, why did you say that? <laughs> uh, but you do have to be yourself. Like I um. Oh, a bit of hoonhead out there. Oh, there oh, we go. Bloody Camp yeah, Hill. Bloody Camp, Camp Hill's, Hill's going off. It's going off. Harley's. Half on Saturday night. Bloody Subarus. Um, it was a time I was on, I was at the Byron Bay Writers Festival, which is awesome. Oh, man. I miss, anyway, I won't go into that too much. But um, I was asked to speak on a, a panel, and it was me, and it was, and it was when To Become a Whale came out, and I was asked to speak on the subject of whales. Right. And you knew nothing about whales. Well, I knew my research about whales. <laughs> and I knew about whaling a little bit, but I'm not an expert on whales. Like, the thing that I do is write books. The thing, I'm a teacher. Like, I do those things. I don't study whales, but I was on stage with... A, well, what you're is, all done? No, we're not done, but you're welcome, mate. Yes. This is part of recording. Right. Um, welcome server person <laughs> to the recording. <laughs> uh, did you want any more desserts or food before we Nah, we're good, man. No, we're going to finish up soon, soon I think. Yeah, yeah, we'll finish up in like yeah. two minutes yeah. or so. Okay. Thanks, mate. Thanks, buddy. Um, but I was, I was on the panel with a marine biologist <laughs> who'd lived on a boat with her children <laughs> and gone, like, had whales. Like, she... And I just got up on stage and I just felt like such an idiot. Like, I was like, I have no idea what's happening. 
but it was the joy of that realization like I don't have to pretend like I said whales are cool like I like their big flipper bits <laughs> just <laughs> but I didn't have to like you know what I mean like I think I think being a genuine person is rewarded more than any other thing yeah um I just had one more thing about Sonia I wanted to mention before we finish up um did you know how old she was when her first book came out I believe she was in her 50s. No, you're way wrong. Way wrong? Go the other way. Oh, no, she was like 18 or something. She wrote, it, she wrote her first book when she was 13. That's right. And it came yeah, out when she was right. 15 years old. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I and can I say, can I say, Sonia, I feel like she, like, I, I read a few quotes about her, like, one of, and she's been called the leading voice of her generation in Australia. Like, she is well-loved mm. in, in people and writing and, and authors and things like that. But I don't, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think she's had, like, a massive hit. No. Like, no. a popular f- hit that's gone, you know, like, Boy Swallows Universe styles. No. No, so I don't know whether she will, but she is definitely an author to invest in, I think. Oh, definitely. I've only read two of her books, but they've both been absolutely extraordinary. I still remember Butterfly. I remember scenes from it. I've read it 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, same with Sleeping Sleeping Dogs. I mean, I read it eight years ago, and, and I mean, I, I still remembered a lot of the book. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of... The, it's a standout novel. I mean, uh, you know, and that's why I... I'm very picky about what I choose to read because I don't really read for enjoyment per se these days. I read to see how it was done and why it got published. Sure. You know, what what, what works. You're working, yeah. Yeah, what worked in this book that made an agent go, damn it, I want that book. Yeah. You know, so that's... And and that is how you become a writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So wh- you got to puzzle all that stuff out for sure. So what do you, what do you reckon, my friend? The, they're closing the windows and doors. Yeah, we better and... finish up. We better finish up. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening to Books, Beers and Burgers with an actual beer and an actual burger at an actual Z Pickle. It was really fun. And thank you, Grant, for being a part of the podcast. Um, uh, my pleasure. Thank you, thank you for uh, having me on board, Ben. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, just check us out on social media. Um, you can check me out at, at Ben Lee Hobson. That's L-E-I-G-H. Hobson at uh, on Twitter and you just search for Ben Hobson on the internet and you'll find me somewhere but um, I'd love to hear back from you guys about what you thought of the, the thing and thank you to Danny obviously for having us on yes, Words yes. and Nerds as always hosting us and being rad um, but yeah I guess we'll, we'll hang out next week thank you very much yeah um, and once again I'd just like to send out a big uh, thank you to Danny B uh, once again for allowing me to run rife on one of her podcasts <laughs> yeah. She loves me. She is good like she that. She loves me. <laughs> she does. She often tweets and messages me and she says, man, that Grant guy, what a guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. All right. See you, man. See you, buddy.